What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode one of Preloaded, the podcast that is dedicated to previewing and talking about all of the biggest and most exciting upcoming video games that you should definitely have on your radar. My name is Josh Finderup, and I'll be one of your co-hosts alongside the other half of Preloaded, Jackson Van Over. What's up, Jackson? Hey, Josh. I'm so excited to get this thing started. Yeah, me too, man. It's been a while in the making, but we're finally here. Episode one, and for this episode, we are going to be talking about Halo Infinite getting delayed, new Cyberpunk 2077 gameplay details, and we're going to be having an in-depth discussion about the quote-unquote console wars. We're going to be talking about whether or not the PlayStation 5 and the Xbox Series X are even competing with one another. So we're going to get into all of that. But, you know, Jackson, a lot of our listeners are probably familiar with at least one of us, but there might be some people, well, surely there are some people who aren't familiar with either of us. So this is a great time to uh, introduce ourselves. Did you want to take a little bit of time to tell everyone who you are? Sure. Yes. Hey, preloaded audience. My name is Jackson. I run the YouTube channel JV. I've been creating content for 10 years, so I've been doing this a while. It's kind of been my passion um, ever since I began. So on my channel, I talk a lot of previews. That's why Josh and I teamed up. So my biggest series is 101 Things You Need to Know. So I will go check out a game um, ahead of launch, look at all of the interviews, the trailers, all that stuff, put it in one handy video for people to watch. Um, so that's what you can expect on my channel. And of course, this is being recorded on my channel. There's a YouTube version, um, so you guys can see us as well. But in terms of me as a gamer, uh, I'm pretty much, I would say, more of a AAA gamer. I like to stick to the big titles and releases because that's what I enjoyed growing up. Lots of RPGs, lots of open world stuff, but I also like the more linear story focused uh, genres as well. So that is me. Awesome. And on my side, I'm again, my name is Josh Finderup, and you may know me from the YouTube channel Quest Mode. And I cover a lot of games. Uh, I do previews of games similar to Jackson. I do uh, long form previews. I have a video series called the Ultimate Preview Series, where I pick a big game that's coming out in the coming months and I, you know, research the heck out of it, find out as much as I can, and I just try to cram all of that information into one, uh, hopefully easy to watch video. And uh, that's, that's been successful. That's kind of what's gotten me some traction. And, and frankly, that's what got me here uh, to connect with Jackson on this podcast, you know, where our content is kind of in a similar vein. So uh, we felt like this was a really good fit for us to team up and do this preview focused podcast uh, about me personally. Um, I'm kind of the old man uh, between the, <laughs> the two of us. Uh, I've been gaming for quite a while. Uh, uh, you can do the math here. My first video game experience was on the original Nintendo Entertainment System playing the original Super Mario Brothers, and I've been gaming ever since. Uh, I I eat, sleep, think, breathe video games. I, I, I just love video games. So it's a really uh, exciting opportunity for me to uh, do this every week and and, and talk with, with you, Jackson, and share uh, my thoughts with our audience. And by the way, I just want to thank you for inviting me onto your channel. I know that these videos post on your, your YouTube channel and, and introducing me to your audience. So uh, that means a lot. And I'm really excited uh, moving forward to see where we can take this thing. Of course, I'm absolutely happy to have you. And uh, I love the insight that I gained personally as a viewer of your channel. And I'm really excited to share that here in our very own preview focused podcast. Yeah, me too. So to that point, uh, let's get right into the the show. So just to give our listeners kind of an overview, the structure that we're working with right now, and this is fluid, this could change as time goes on as we learn and get feedback from our viewers and listeners. 
But staying true to our theme of, you know, previewing the upcoming games, we're actually going to start by talking about what's coming out this week. So if you're interested in what you're going to be able to play in the coming days right after the podcast airs on Monday, we're going to have a, a short section called Out This Week. Then we're going to do a little review roundup where we actually look at the review scores and the, the overall consensus of the games that came out the week prior. But then we're going to get into the, the meat of the show, and that is... Uh, Right now, we're just calling it This Week in Previews, but this is actually kind of a news and previews section where if a publisher comes out with some gameplay details about a game or if there's a big news story about a video game that's coming out, this is the section uh, in kind of the middle of the show where we're going to cover that. So moving on from that, we are going to then talk about our topic of the show. Every week, we're going to pick one topic that we feel is relevant or interesting for our listeners uh, and really spend a good chunk of time Digging into one topic, this week we're again talking about uh, is the PS5, or are the PS5 rather, and the Xbox Series X competing with one another? So we're, we're going to have a, a nice healthy discussion there. And then from then from there, we're going to move on to games that Jackson and I are playing. So if any of our listeners are just curious about what we're spending our time playing and what our impressions are of the games that are out right now, um, or maybe even some like some beta stuff that we're playing uh, that's where we'll talk about that. And then finally, we'll get into uh, the mailbag where we get into reader questions. Obviously, this week we won't have any since we're brand new, but hopefully I didn't kill too much time there. Uh, did you have anything to add there, Jackson? Uh, no, that is the run of show. And as Josh said, it is totally subject to change. If something feels out of place, don't hesitate to let us know and we'll address it in a future episode. Absolutely. This podcast is definitely something we want to uh, shape along with our listeners. Uh, so we will take uh, your feedback to heart as we move forward. And I'll list an email at the end uh, that you can uh, send your feedback to. So without further ado, I think we've spent enough time on the introduction. Let's get right into it. So out this week, we actually have five games of note that came out. And there's plenty of games that came out that we can't list. We're not going to talk about the entire list. I mean, if you get on Steam, however many dozens of games come out. These are just the games that we feel are interesting and that will really uh, be of interest to our listeners. First off, we have Microsoft Flight Simulator, which, man, when I first saw the trailer for this, it blew me away. I remember actually playing my Microsoft Flight Simulator way back in the day. This game has been around forever. It's really exciting to see it make a return. Right. It's on Game Pass, I believe. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong there. But You know, I'm not 100% positive on that. I haven't played Microsoft Flight Simulator myself, but I know that it has a lot of side-by-side -side comparisons with real life. And, you know, the, the meme is like, is this real or is this, you know, Microsoft Flight Simulator? It's so photorealistic. Yeah, and I, I actually watched one of those videos of someone flying around New York, and I had the same thought. I'm like, this looks real, and it sounds real, too. The sound right. effects are great. But, you know, the the moment you realize that it is actually a video game is when someone does a flyby 100 feet from, like, the Statue of Liberty or something like that. And you're like, yep, this is definitely not real life, but looks incredible. <laughs> right. Um, I, although I, I I may try it. I'm not sure I'm going to going to play it with all the stuff going on right now and all the other games but yeah it's it would be hard for me to to dive in just because we've got so many betas going on and other games leading up to huge releases yeah the next game that actually comes out the same day august 18th which uh is is tuesday by the way um uh, is mortal shell and this is a game that i definitely plan on checking out there was a beta for it this is a souls like in the vein, definitely, of like Dark Souls over games like Sekiro or Bloodborne. This looks really like it's inspired by those Souls games 1, 2, and 3. I didn't play the beta. I plan on checking it out. Jackson, do you have any interest in Souls-likes? 
Absolutely. I really like, um, I, I'm more of a fan of Sekiro and Bloodborne like yourself. Uh, personally, for me, uh, Mortal Shell also has a tinge of Warframe in the way that you're hopping between shells that offer completely different play styles. Uh, but in terms of like the mood and the overall vibe, it is very Souls-like. And so I'm definitely going to be spending some time with this game. Yeah, and it's one reason I like this. So the listeners will learn over time. I, I have a fond place in my heart for indie games. Uh, I don't play as many as I would like, but I really like that this is a, an indie game and it really has a, almost a triple A kind of feel to it or, or maybe double A, I guess that's a term that gets thrown around, but it really has some high production values. So it's exciting to see it getting some attention and uh, yeah, it looks, looks really good. Absolutely, yeah. It's a small team, but it has that you know polished feel. So I'm really excited too. Yep. Um, next up, so this is a game that I put on this. It's an early access game, which I don't think we'll have on here too frequently. But uh, on the 18th, also on Steam, the early access version of Rogue Legacy 2 drops. And this, the reason I just put this on here is if you have not played Rogue Legacy, it is, it's actually a roguelite, but it's a 2D roguelite. And uh, it is one of the best indie games I've ever played, hands down. Uh, I put it up there with Dead Cells. If you like Dead Cells, I think this is a fantastic game. You should definitely check it out. So yeah, the early access version of Rogue Legacy 2, the sequel, comes out on the 18th of August. And uh, I think, uh, Jackson, you you said you hadn't played the original Rogue Legacy. Is that right? No, I haven't played Rogue Legacy, uh, but I have played Dead Cells, and I thought Dead Cells was really fun. I I don't spend a lot of time with uh, Roguelike and Roguelikes, personally, um, but this is something that definitely is on my radar. Yeah, and it is that procedurally generated uh, level design similar to Dead Cells. So yeah, if that's something that strikes your fancy and you play on Steam, I would absolutely check out Rogue Legacy 2. The next game on the list, Battletoads, finally comes out. This release date kind of got shadow dropped. I think it was just two weeks ago, if that. Uh, Everybody was, I I shouldn't say everybody, but some people were asking, why wasn't Battletoads part of the Xbox showcase? And then a week later or something, they just dropped this release date. Right. So yeah, Battletoads, not a game I'm terribly excited about, but I'm I'm happy that it's coming out. I know there are a lot of fans of the original game. All I know is that Battletoads used to be like a joke. You would call GameStop and ask if they had Battletoads and (laughs) the GameStop employee would just lose it completely so that's all i, I really... never heard this story oh yeah no I, maybe it was just a local thing for me but uh apparently if you call gamestop and ask for it they they did not like that at all so <laughs> i did not hear that i know that battletoads yeah the original all i know is the original and i did play it when i was a kid is just ridiculously difficult and you know i've actually i've, I've gone back and played some of those old nes games and i wonder how i was able to beat them as a kid so who knows maybe maybe i was better at this than i, than I would be <laughs> now but that kind of really brutal difficult 2d platforming and it looks more like almost like a beat-em-up as well doesn't appeal to me a ton yeah me neither but um for people who are into battletoads that comes out on august 20th the last game on our out this week list is pga tour 2k21 which i believe is back i believe this is the pga games are, are back after a bit of a hiatus uh maybe more than a bit i think they've been gone for a while so you know josh t- i actually did some research on this uh the last pga tour game um, was called Golf Club, which came out two years ago. And that was okay. after like a 2015 game, PGA Rory McIlroy, which was after the whole Tiger Woods thing happened. So PGA has had a rough time in terms of video games. So it'll be interesting to see how it bounces back with this one. Yeah. And, you know, 2K for the most part, I mean, I know their NBA 2K games are really well regarded and and some of the best sports games of all time. 
back in the day when they had NFL 2K. That was a really long time ago. Those were also among the best sports games. So I I do think that this will be a good game. Uh, Golf games, the idea of playing them is appealing to me, but I don't know that I'll actually fire this up or, or download it. I'm the same way. I spent a lot of time playing golf games as a kid, but uh, it's just a little too repetitive for my taste these days. Yeah. So those are the games that are coming out. Again, we got Microsoft Flight Simulator and Mortal Shell and Rogue Legacy 2 early access on the 18th. That's Tuesday. Battletoads comes out on August 20th, which I believe that would make that Thursday. And then on Friday, we have PGA Tour 2K21. So some stuff you have to look forward to this week uh, if you're wondering what was coming out. Next up, we have our review roundup. And here we're just going to talk about kind of the big games that came out and how the reviews shook out. Uh, The first game on this list is Horizon Zero Dawn for the PC. I believe they're calling this the complete edition. Yes, they are. And so Horizon Zero Dawn, my single favorite PlayStation 4 exclusive. I guess now it's not an exclusive anymore. But among Sony's first party studios, this is my favorite game they've ever made. So I love this game. I it's right now on Open Critic. By the way, we're gonna list um, the the scores that these games have received on Open Critic. Uh, and right now it's sitting at around an 82 uh, in terms of the critic score, and 91% of users recommend the game. Which I'm more on the 91%. Uh, that would be around what I would give this game. Jackson, did you uh, enjoy Horizon Zero Dawn? I really did. Um, I thought it was a fantastic, unique new IP. I always like seeing new IPs. And for a developer like Gorilla, who was known for something quite different in terms of a first-person shooter with... Uh, oh, God, I'm blanking on the game. What is it? Killzone. Killzone. Thank you. Killzone. Uh, so... For them to come out with Horizon Zero Dawn and just crush it, it's definitely up there with some of my favorite PlayStation 4 games. And so I really want to hop back into this. I have not played the complete edition yet, but I want to play it, first of all, at a higher frame rate. Um, That was probably one of my biggest uh, gripes about it is something about playing a not so stable frame rate, at least at 30, bothers me. So... Hopefully it's stable. I know there were some launch issues and I'm sure that's kind of baked into that 82 critic score. Hopefully those have been ironed out uh, before I hop in. Yeah, I mean, playing this game on PC with a good rig should be spectacular. Uh, it was already a, a beautiful game, so this will make it e- even better on that front. And uh, Absolutely. Yeah, so exciting for PC players who never got uh, a chance to play the original. I will say another interesting note on this is I think this is part of PlayStation's strategy to sell PS5 units. Um, Absolutely. You know, releasing this game, getting people hooked on Horizon, and then with uh, Forbidden West being one of their marquee titles coming out, hopefully in 2021. Um, It's a really smart, smart strategy. But uh, moving on, the next game, there are only two games that really got uh, of of any any significant amount of reviews this week that we wanted to talk about. The second one is Fast and Furious Crossroads, which I don't think anyone was expecting to be a banger, but uh, it, it sure enough. Absolutely not. Sure enough, it has 42% uh, critic score or 42 critic score on Open Critic, and 10% of users uh, recommend it. So, Jackson, you weren't planning on on picking up Fast and Furious? You know, it wasn't really on my radar, I'll be honest. Uh, but I have to say that I've gotten some enjoyment out of watching gameplay footage because it looks absolutely ridiculous. Honestly, any game with Vin Diesel in it is going to be funny, objectively, <laughs> to me. Yeah, it, it actually might make for some good streams. I mean, uh, yeah, I saw some of the, <laughs> the car battling. I don't, I don't I don't know if it's car combat exactly, but you're racing and you're throwing like 
I don't know if it's grenades or Molotovs out of your window. I mean, it just looks bonkers. But yeah, the gameplay did not get a good uh, a good reception. No, I, I I didn't I didn't expect that it would. Um, and it's it seems like it's out of nowhere as well. Like we didn't hear a lot about Fast and Furious, or maybe I just wasn't didn't have my finger on the pulse of Fast and Furious games. Uh, well, it got that surprise reveal at the Game Awards last year where Vin Diesel. Oh, I think that's they were, what it was. I think what happened, and this is just me speculating, but I think that, you know, Jeff Keighley or whoever runs the Game Awards, which I'm pretty sure it's Jeff Keighley through and through. Maybe right. he saw what happened with Keanu Reeves on stage at E3 the, that same year and was like, oh, let's get Vin Diesel on stage, which he's a big movie star. <laughs> People like Vin Diesel. I don't know if they like him as much as Keanu Reeves in general. No no shade at, at Vin Diesel, but... Um, then people saw the screenshots or the, the the video of him in the game, and it was just like, oof, yeah, does not look. Good. He doesn't, he doesn't look great, and and they've also, I feel like, tried to make him a little younger than he is as well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No offense to Vin, honestly. If Vin listens to this podcast, he'd probably be offended. Yeah, he he but. might. I mean, hey, I'm a huge Fast and Furious fan, which actually is why I find this game a little dis- disappointing. Uh, well. Really disappointing because, I mean, it's a great IP. If they could make an awesome Fast and Furious game, I feel like they could be onto something. I mean, this ga- the, the movie comes out every single year, and, well, not right now, but um, this could have been a franchise, but they uh, clearly did not take their time or enough time on it. But uh, we don't need to dwell on a game like that too long on this show. <laughs> Moving on, the next segment of the podcast that we are going to move into this week in previews. And again, this is where we talk about all the news and the gameplay reveals that came out the week prior. And as everyone knows, the big gameplay reveal of this week was Cyberpunk 2077 and CD Projekt Red had their second Night City Wire stream. Uh, that came out, and uh, I was actually I was pleased with what I saw during this stream, but it didn't uh, it didn't really impress me. Um, I don't know if it was because they spent so much time talking about the soundtrack, which doesn't really interest me. But um, the gameplay was great. Don't get me wrong, but my expectations for when I see something regarding Cyberpunk are always so high that this kind of just uh, maybe just barely met those. Jackson, did you have any initial impressions of this stream? Sure. Yeah, I I felt the same way about the soundtrack. Um, I think that's something that people that are very into cyberpunk will really appreciate. And cyber uh, CD Projekt Red, excuse me, they uh, really spent a lot of time world building, and obviously people love that stuff. They fall in love with these um, IPs, these worlds. So I thought that was kind of paying respect to those people that are so into cyberpunk. But for the average person, I think eh, that was probably not something to spend that much time on. Yeah. And also the life path stuff felt kind of just a repeat of a lot of the gameplay that we saw. The previews, a lot of press, a lot of YouTuber streamers got their hands on the game a couple of months ago now, I want to say. And yeah. yeah, we already saw a lot of this sort of life path stuff. So I feel like they didn't add a bunch of new information there. Yeah, in fact, uh, so if anybody here has uh, tuned into my channel in the last couple of months, I did a preview on Cyberpunk, and I covered everything that um, had been revealed about the game prior to the first Night City Wire uh, presentation. And the only new stuff in this presentation that I noticed that wasn't in my initial preview was some of the weapon information. So yeah, the life path stuff, obviously the footage, we hadn't seen that before, but we did know that you'd you know, if you chose Nomad, you'd start in the Badlands. And if you chose Corpo, you'd work your way up the ladder at one of these corporations. Right. But the weapon stuff, that's where it got interesting for me. Uh, 
we had seen power weapons, tech weapons, smart weapons before. We knew, uh, just to give people a rundown, you know, these are the three types of guns. Power weapons can ricochet off walls. Tech weapons can shoot through walls. And smart weapons can fire homing bullets. Uh, one thing they didn't cover, and Jackson, feel free to interrupt me at any time here, but since sure. I did my preview here, I kind of have some some working knowledge of this stuff. The, uh, each of these weapons, as far as I understand, will also have a alternate fire mode, which um, some of them are awesome. And the funny thing is I'm not remembering any, any of them off the top of my head right now, but I'm surprised I didn't touch on that. Or maybe that's something that they've changed uh, since the, uh, that stuff was revealed. I know they have changed some gameplay elements to Cyberpunk. Um, like wall runs got taken out right yeah they have made a lot of changes i feel like since this game has just been in development for what seems like forever yeah yeah but just the the variety i feel like of those are like three weapon classes among others uh that we saw which we'll talk about but i really like the one of the things i'm most excited about with cyberpunk is yes it's a an open world game and yes open world games are sandboxy that's just part of their that's inherent to them but I do feel like this game is going to be extremely varied in terms of the options it gives players. Um, like you have the three life paths. You have these three weapon types. Um, there's going to be a, a, a really vast skill tree within the, the game. So if you want to shoot through walls, you can do that. If you want to uh, ricochet bullets off walls, it just seems like this game is really focusing on giving you a lot of options. Right. Not just when it comes to combat, but overall. Right. And that actually goes back to the life paths for me too. It really reminds me of Dragon Age Origins. I'm not sure if you've played that, Josh. I love Dragon Age Origins. Okay. It's one of my favorite uh, RPGs on the PlayStation 4. Oh, it's great. Yeah. So you can... Well, that's uh, Inquisition, I think, is what you're thinking of. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Sorry, sorry. I'm, I'm talking about the first one that came out in 2010, Origins. I want to say. Origins. Yep, origins I, I did not know you're origins. good yeah so origins gave you a completely different start to every single playthrough depending on your race and then you could also choose a background so it almost feels like cyberpunk is channeling that same kind of uh approach in in terms of format and in origins you spent like the first 15 to 20 hours in a completely separate location which as a kid that always blew my mind because uh, I grew up playing World of Warcraft as well, and I always appreciated the fact that I was starting in a different location that was very unique to what yep. kind of race and what kind of character and what kind of background I chose. And so the fact that Cyberpunk is doing that really hypes me up. That's actually a really good point. I didn't think of that, but that is a, you know, maybe they did take inspiration from uh, MMOs. I know that Guild Wars does the same thing. Um, right. I played that for a while. So that's a, that's a good observation. One other thing I wanted to talk about, and maybe I should have brought this up earlier, because this is actually what excited me the most, were the melee combat options. The thermal katana. I'm not sure what the thermal does, just if it's really hot and it cuts through stuff easily. But... It, it hurts really badly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, so I thought that looked awesome. One uh, tidbit that I discovered doing my preview that uh, people might find interesting is apparently there's another katana in this game that has a magnetic field that will attract bullets to it so you can deflect bullets fired at you with what? your katana. Yeah. And that sounds That's amazing. Awesome. So um, again, going to my earlier point, it just seems like they're getting really imaginative with the, the weapons and providing a lot of different combat options along the way. So I wanted to ask you before we moved on, what do you think about the melee combat? Because I heard a lot of mixed reception from those that got hands-on time with the game. They said that it didn't, like land very well it wasn't very crunchy very weighty like you'd expect from melee although 
in a game where it's kind of pseudo RPG FPS, uh, kind of a fusion there, melee usually doesn't feel good. What, what do you think about what we've seen so far? So I am giving uh, CD Projekt Red the benefit of the doubt here uh, for two reasons. One, the main reason is they've they've explained a number of times when people bring this up that this is an RPG, and when you start out, you're not meant to be an expert in combat. So part of it seems like it might be almost by design, and they've mentioned with guns, for example, this is not melee, but I'm assuming that there'll be equivalents to melee combat. Like with guns, the, the, the more you use a gun, the better you get with it. The, literally, the faster you'll then reload. Uh, your aim down sights will be faster. And so the combat, is, it seems like they're going to make it evolve as your character progresses, which makes sense for an RPG. So, um, And the demos that people got to play, as far as I know, were very early in the game. So I would take that into account. And then the other thing is just other games of this ilk that I've played, I'm thinking like Skyrim um, or even Fallout. Uh, those games don't have necessarily the best combat either, especially Skyrim. Like that game's melee kind. Yeah, we're talking about a game that's over a decade old. I get it. <laughs> but it... Um, is an amazing game. Love that game. One of my favorite games of all time. The combat's not very good, and it didn't really affect my experience because what I went into that game for was the role-playing experience, the exploration, um, and the character development. And so I'm I'm looking at Cyberpunk in a bit the same way, where I think that the options they're giving us are amazing. It sounds like there's going to be a lot of ways to, to go about combat, but combat is not what I'm going into Cyberpunk for. I'm going in for, for this to be a a full-fledged kind of hardcore RPG, just like The Witcher was, you know? Absolutely. And I think that's a really good point. I don't think a ton of people are... I mean, if you're going to try to create... Um, not create, but nitpick, then maybe you're going to nitpick uh, Melee. But if anyone has or deserves the benefit of the doubt, it's CG product Project Red in terms of what we're going to see on launch. So uh, I'm really excited from what I saw overall. Yeah, yeah, I am too. Uh, there hasn't been anything about this game that has uh, not impressed me. Like I said, if it was this, if if I felt lukewarm initially about this gameplay reveal, it's just because my expectations are really high. I will say I thought this was the most beautiful I've seen Cyberpunk look since they've revealed it. I thought that the gameplay they showed just, um, the environments look spectacular. It feels like they're getting to a point of polish that like they're almost there, you know, yep. it's almost ready. Yep, so uh, what is it, November 17th? I think we'll hopefully be playing this game uh, if we don't see another delay. Uh, knock on wood. <laughs> Cross your fingers, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to jinx it. Uh, but, you know, we've <laughs> spent a lot of time on that. So that's uh, that's the Cyberpunk gameplay that we got to see. The next uh, major bomb that dropped, this might actually be the biggest single story of the week or even of the year, is Halo Infinite uh, got delayed. Uh, this is not news to anybody probably listening to this podcast, but um, we have some interesting thoughts to share here. So... 343 Industries was uh, the one who released the statement, and I won't read the whole thing, but in it they said, uh, we've made the difficult decision to shift our release to 2021 to ensure the team has adequate time to deliver a Halo game experience that meets our vision. And then they went on to say that this was due to, quote, development challenges, including the ongoing COVID-related impacts affecting us all this year. So they say that it's due to that, among other reasons. Yeah, just after reading that, any any first impressions of what's going on here, Jackson? Were you shocked? <laughs> uh, I was not. Well, I, w- I was shocked, actually. I was absolutely shocked initially uh, just because it seemed like Xbox was so behind Halo Infinite coming out this year, especially after showing it off in the most recent uh, you know stream where they revealed more 
you know, games. So it was odd to me to hear it initially. But of course, once you stand back from the shock, it makes a lot of sense. 2020 is a crazy year. We've seen a lot of other video game delays. And they also cite in their messaging about uh, this not being sustainable for the well-being of their team. And so I feel like that was a very uh, outward way of addressing crunch. They don't want to crunch their team any more than they already have been crunching yep. um, to get this game ready. So I also think this uh, there's a t underlying meaning here or a message that this game really just was not ready. Like they couldn't even crunch this thing to be ready this holiday. So um, I'm overall happy, honestly, that they delayed this game. I think a lot of games that get delayed improve. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I think th this was absolutely the right decision. And, you know, you can call BS on them saying that this was COVID related, like whatever, but I absolutely support them 100% if they want to, if they wanted to delay this game in part to make the lives of the developers tolerable. I, I think it's, um, my impression of making video games is that it's incredibly difficult and incredibly time consuming <laughs> and uh, it involves crunch as does almost every creative endeavor that I've ever been involved with. But if the developer and Microsoft can um, accommodate the developers, then I really support them in that decision. And yeah, this is a bummer, no doubt. I mean, this is going to be really difficult. I feel like for Microsoft to, uh, um, I don't know if I should say it's difficult for them to recover from, but it's, it's, a, it's a blow to them regardless of, of why they did it. And so, and it's, it's tough for players who were looking forward to this game. Absolutely. To your point, it will make the game better. My initial impression of Halo when they first showed it was that it did look bad. Um, not, it's not that it just didn't look up to snuff. I thought compared to what we all expect from next gen consoles, it did. Yeah. It, it looked bad. So I'm glad that they are taking the time needed and they're not going to, uh, uh, drive their developers, you know, into the ground while they do it. Sure. And we already had news that, or some speculation. I'm not sure what the current status is for multiplayer. I think there was a report that it wouldn't launch with the release. And uh, then it was debunked. Like that was not the case. And then the game gets delayed. So maybe multiplayer was a big part of this as well. It wasn't just what we saw from that little single player demo that looked very Halo, but not super next gen. Yeah. The multiplayer, I feel like, is what's going to make this such a valuable property for Microsoft in the long haul. Um, whether it launches, I, I do feel like it should launch side-by-side uh, -side with the single-player campaign. I feel like the single-player campaign will get a lot of attention, but over the long haul, the multiplayer needs to uh, it needs to be amazing, I think. Absolutely, so. and the fact that it's free-to-play um, is, is another conversation entirely, um, but I do think they need to launch, yeah, side-by-side, -side, absolutely. So yeah, major bummer for uh, uh, Xbox uh, fans. If you were planning on picking up the Series X or still are planning on picking up the Series X. Um, but along that those lines, um, we did get another piece of news to kind of soften the blow. I don't know if that's, uh, if it did or not, but it, they did confirm that same day that the Xbox Series X will be releasing in November. And I don't know if you saw Jackson, but there was actually a leak of like the packaging for the Series X controller, and on that packaging, it said do not sell or display until November 6th. So some people are oh. wondering if that's going to be the release date. You know, I didn't see that, but that is really exciting news. I mean, if it is coming out the 6th, that means 
you know, games like Assassin's Creed Valhalla will come out very, very shortly after. Yeah, and it means that maybe, I mean, I think both consoles, when they release PS5 and Series X, it's going to be a mad dash to get one, but um, that it's nice that there might potentially be a little window of time before Black Friday, you know, so it's not like they're launching this on, you know, the weekend before Black Friday and everybody has to just go out and get it that weekend and, uh, right. you know, and trample one another. I know. I'm I'm sure that COVID makes things even more complicated on that front. Like, are we going to have a Black Friday? And if we do, it feels like a safety hazard. Yep. Uh, I mean, more more so than it already was, you know, being trampled and whatnot. Totally agree. Um, so, yeah, November, we can definitely count on that for the Series X. And moving on, the next news story that we want to talk about, I will hand this one over to you, uh, Jackson, because you brought up uh, Atomic Heart as a game that it's definitely been on my radar, but you added this, they released some gameplay. So take it away. Right. So Atomic Heart, when I initially saw it, it, I don't know how long ago Atomic Heart was initially revealed. Was it a couple of years ago, Josh? It was at least a couple of years ago. It's been in oven for a long time, this game. Absolutely. It reminds me a lot of Biomutant as well. That's a game that we always get some gameplay of like, Every now and then, like the developer drops some, but we just have no idea when this thing is coming. So Atomic Heart immediately grabbed my eye because it looks very Bioshock meets Prey meets, you know, kind of just that weird vibe that immediately draws you in. Like something is very wrong with this world. And this game has gone through several iterations at one point. I believe it was an open world game. Now it looks a little more linear, a little more like something that's uh, manageable in terms of an indie title. So Atomic Heart continues to impress me every single time I see it. It looks like the graphics got a bit of an upgrade. It looks like the scope again has been kind of reined in and I really can't wait to see more of it. Yeah, this game, whenever I see it, I have one thought. Either these developers are some of the best in the industry at making trailers. Right. Or this game is actually going to be incredible. Um, And I'm hoping, obviously, it's the latter. Hopefully both, uh, because these trailers impress me every time. I think there's been three gameplay trailers that I've seen for the game, and the aesthetic definitely is very Bioshock-y. And, yeah, Biomutant's another game. I mean, I think, frankly, uh, graphics-wise, this game looks far better than than Biomutant. So I do too. Um, I'm excited. Biomutant's kind of all over the place, but Atomic Heart has that very polished first person shooter look. Um yep. and it's got some very strange like animations, like healing. Like we don't know what we are. We don't know what we're fighting. It kind of looks a little near Automata as well. Are you familiar with that, Josh? Um I I mean I'm I'm aware. I I have not played any of the near games, but okay. I've seen uh, I've seen gameplay, and I know that that game is uh, bonkers. Yes, absolutely insane. Just weird robots is kind of <laughs> the label that I would attach to that game and Atomic Heart as well. So do we have a date on this? I actually didn't check. I don't believe so. Okay. Actually, I think if you go to their website, it might have an old date on it. I did check it out. It is supposed to be coming to both Steam and PS4. Um, I imagine that it will release for next-gen consoles if it does come out on consoles at all. So that, to me, says that maybe they haven't updated that information on their website. But initially, I think it was scheduled to come out in 2019. So gotcha. Um, it's definitely seen some delays. Absolutely. But I will be paying attention whenever it does come out. 
Yeah, me too. Yeah, it looks great. Um, so the next uh, story that we are looking at, Bioshock news actually came out uh, regarding the next game in the Bioshock series. So this is by way of um, Game Byte, I think, came out with this story, which is a site I had not heard of. But uh, a job listing came out for the studio that is making this game, which is called Cloud Chamber. It's not the, the same studio that made the original two. And they basically had a job listing that is looking for, um, let's see here if I can find the direct quote. I've got it right uh, here. Looking for, Yeah, go ahead. Sure. It says that they're looking for a lead environment modeler suggesting that they want someone to help them breathe life into a new and fantastical world. Right. So the news here is that it's a new world. Um, you know, if we were to take that statement at face value, um, people are saying, okay, this game isn't going to take place in Rapture and it's not going to take place in Columbia, which, you know, if they can come up with something as imaginative as either of those worlds, I'm all for it. Absolutely. I'm in the same boat. Um, it's going to be very, very difficult, I think, um, especially given the fact that they don't have uh, Ken Levine. I'm a huge believer in him and Irrational Games and what they built with the original Bioshock and then came back later and built with Bioshock Infinite. So, of course, I'm going to keep an open mind. I think, you know, Cloud Chamber has a lot of great talent, a lot of people that have made great games. Uh, so I'm really excited to see what they come up with. But this is a far ways off, if I had to guess. Oh, man, I think this is at least at least two or three years, maybe even longer. Um, I wouldn't expect to see a, a, an official reveal of this game uh, for at least another year. But uh, what do I know? I, I do think they announced that, that they were working on this game quite some time ago. So maybe they're further along. Who knows? Yeah, we really have no idea. I don't think anyone does um, unless we get some kind of you know, investigative journalistic scoop on when we can expect Bioshock 4. But I hope it maintains that same sort of linear linearity that the first three games did. Yeah. So the last story uh, is um, the impending reveal of Call of Duty Black Ops Cold War. And again, Jackson, I might kick it over to you on this one. Uh, I think you added this to the, the doc. Sure, yeah. And I have not been too up to speed on this. So uh, love it or hate it, Call of Duty happens every single year. And it's odd this year, however, because the next Call of Duty has not been officially revealed yet. We are in August. And if you look back, I want to say usually they start revealing Call of Duties in spring, like between March and May. That is yep. when they're already talking about the next game. Then they show it off in a big way at E3. Obviously, none of that happened. Everything's different this year. But we do know that a new Call of Duty is coming. So there have been some leaks in past months, like Doritos codes. You know, you can go to the store and get some kind of special double XP code. We've seen some leaks of that um, from this yep. article on PC Gamer uh, that I've linked here. Yeah, we've seen that a couple months ago. And then just this past week, Activision sent out this really cool reveal campaign uh, where they gave creators projectors and projector slides. And that set off kind of a whole Easter egg, almost like something you expect from the Nazi zombies modes of Call of Duty, um, leading to a website that actually tells us that the reveal for the next Call of Duty is happening on August 14th. Now, the day that Josh and I are recording this is before the reveal of Call of Duty 
Black Ops yeah. Cold War, but you guys listening to it now will have already seen what it is. So that means we'll be talking about what we think on our next show next week, next Monday. Um, but, you know, it's exciting. It's just surprising that this is coming so late in the year. Yeah, it really is super late. I don't play Call of Duty every year. I'm not one thing our listeners will eventually learn about me is I'm not huge on uh, the multiplayer gaming scene. I don't play a lot of multiplayer games. Um, but uh, I did play last year's Call of Duty Modern Warfare, and I loved the campaign. I thought they did a great job. So I know this is a different developer. I'm not sure which developer this is on the so Call of Duty So this is rotation. Treyarch. And Treyarch. they're co-developing with Raven Software, who is handling, I believe, Warzone, the big free-to-play BR. Gotcha. If they are taking the the campaign in a similar direction as they did for uh, Modern Warfare, I'm I'm all in uh, for the campaign. I thought they did a great job, and I did see that uh, Jason Schreier tweeted out here. Someone someone asked on Twitter, uh, "Do you think slash no if it's still going to be part of the Black Ops series?" Then and Jason Schreier responded to that and said, I'm not a COD person, so I don't know anything about all the the lore shenanigans or what it really means, uh, blah, blah, blah. But he, he then went on to say, I've heard thrown around a couple of times that this is just, quote, COD Vietnam. As far as I know, it's part of the Black Ops series, though. Um, so maybe it takes place in Vietnam? Sure. And maybe it's just a direct sequel to Black Ops, the original Black or yeah. It's hard to keep a timeline on all these Black Ops games because they <laughs> jump around so much. There's a new one every single year. But the original Black Ops had moments in Vietnam. It jumped around different points of the Cold War. So I definitely expect some Vietnam. I expect probably for it to be like the original Black Ops and just jump around different points of that time period. Yeah. And I know that the original Black Ops is one of the I don't know if beloved would be the right word, but I know a lot of people loved that game. So uh, I do, or maybe. I did. So, and maybe it's just because I grew up, you know, it was in a certain formative time period for me. So I have really nostalgic, fond memories of it. Um, so, yeah, if they put this thing in the Cold War era, I will definitely be paying attention. Cool. I guess we'll see what this is all about tomorrow uh, for you and me. And uh, <laughs> like you said, our listeners will, will know. So um, maybe we shouldn't dwell on this too long since uh, this will be old news in short order. Uh, so that's the news, or uh, rather, that is the week in previews. We are going to now move on to our topic of the week. And so one thing about this podcast, Preloaded, we're definitely um, all about previewing games. But with the new consoles coming up on the horizon, we definitely want to focus on that for some of our, our topics and give our perspectives on what the release of these consoles means for the industry. We've never seen a console launch like this we've never the industry has never been in a position like this you know forget covid and everything that's going on with that just the the way that technology is progressing and the way these consoles are shaping up uh it's entirely different than previous console launches so one of the relevant questions that we thought we might ask is are the ps5 and the xbox series x even competing with one another, at least in the way that past consoles have competed against one another. It's always been framed as a console war. But before I toss it over to you, Jackson, I just one of the things that strikes me uh, that's so different right now is that Sony, Microsoft, and Nintendo all have very distinct and unique strategies. Neither of them are going at this the same way. So it's, it's, it is kind of hard to pit them against one another in that sense. Uh, did you have any uh, just initial thoughts? Right. I think that's a great point. I think right now, it seems, at least in my memory, in recent memory, 
they are as different as they've ever been in the last decade. And so when you talk about the PlayStation 5 and Series X competing against one another, I think that generally the answer is going to be yes. Obviously, they're in the same market. They are competitors and not the majority of people aren't going to buy both of these consoles. So, yes, consumers are making a decision um, whether to buy a PS5 or an Xbox Series X. But whether they're competing against each other like they did in the 360 and PS3 era or like they did in the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One era, I don't think so. I think they really are going after very different goals and we're seeing that widen more and more. Yeah, absolutely. And just to kind of frame it for everybody, not that, you know, I may be preaching to the choir here. I think everybody kind of knows this, but, you know, PlayStation, the way I see it, they're kind of, they have this um, next generation box that is a distinct leap to the next generation. And they are going to have exclusive titles that you're going to want to buy this box in order to play. So that's kind of the Sony side of things. Microsoft is completely going in a different direction where they obviously they want people to buy the box, but they have this additional revenue stream in Game Pass that it seems like they're kind of putting all their eggs in that basket. I know they have uh, xCloud as well, but they really seem to be banking on people signing up for Game Pass, which is at a fantastic value. I know it may not be as exciting to some people as having um, an exclusive set of games to play, but Man, I remember when I was like a teenager and, you know, my family couldn't afford an expensive gaming rig and I couldn't ask for both consoles for Christmas. So, I mean, I don't think our listeners are that young, but that's a big segment of the audience. If I was on a budget, man, I'd be going Xbox all the way. And then there's Nintendo, which they just do their own thing with the Switch. That's on a totally different planet and it's doing great for them. So that kind of sets the stage for next generation to show you how different everything is. Absolutely. And I think in my mind, the way that I uh, kind of separate the two, I look at Sony as the premium product. I know that Series X, you know, Xbox is trying to prop up Series X as this next gen. I mean, they they really do. They're, they're, you know, teraflops, that whole thing. They are trying to push the power of Series X in order to still compete with Sony. But at the same time, they are taking that very um, community friendly approach of prioritizing backwards compatibility, which I think is so consumer friendly that it's insane. And same thing goes for Game Pass. Like you said, the value is crazy. I would have loved to Game Pass as a kid. I went and rented video games, you know, back when you can rent video games. Uh, It's really hard to do these days. Uh, But I would go and rent a video game and, you know, play out the campaign for like 10 bucks instead of spend 60 bucks on it because I was a kid. It just made more sense. Um, yep. But Game Pass offers such insane value that I don't think Sony could even compete in that realm. I don't think they can compete in terms of backward com- backwards compatibility. I don't think they've even tried. And so I think they are really distancing themselves from what Microsoft is doing. But people appreciate different things, right? If you want the highest fidelity, the best graphics, the best looking products, the most unique new IPs and exclusives, Sony's probably your way to go. Yeah, and I think that um, to kind of answer the question that we're posing here, are these two systems competing? I think for many of the reasons that you just explained, I think in the short term, yes, they are. Like if there's a higher demand 
for PlayStation 5 in 2021 than for Xbox Series X, then I do think that Xbox is going to lose some ground to that. And I think that things like the Halo delay will affect that as well. But I think that Microsoft is really playing the long game here. And I think that over the long haul, again, when you look at the value that they're providing people when compared to PlayStation, I do think that they are going to carve their own niche. Uh, it's more than a niche. It's it's going to be, a, they're going to, they're going to create their own space in the video game landscape. And, you know, whether it ends up being the Netflix of gaming, and I think that might be what they're going for, I do think that that's a that's an area that Sony won't be able to compete with Microsoft on. So I do think if you look at the long the long haul here, it's going to be more neck and neck than it might appear right now, but in a much different way than we've ever seen before, because again, they're going to be in totally different spaces. Right. With the services on one side and the box the PlayStation 5 console on the other. And the fact that you mentioned the Netflix of gaming, I mean, we're talking about sales numbers as well. I think that the PlayStation 5, at least in the first couple of years, will absolutely outsell the Xbox Series X personally, just because of the this Halo gaffe. I think that really makes a big difference. But when you look at the fact that Xbox is also going to be getting people on board with Game Pass, and you just add that revenue on top of what people are playing for consoles. I mean, once you have people hooked on something like Game Pass, you're just constantly charging them every single month. I mean, in the end, if we add the revenue of Game Pass and Series X and compare that to what Sony's getting with uh, you know, the PlayStation 5 and then their new releases, it might look co- pretty similar. They might be close. Yeah, yep, and... I think a big question for a lot of people on the Game Pass front is, is it sustainable? And, you know, I I put my faith in Microsoft that, you know, I'm not saying we won't see price increases down the road. That may happen similar to what Netflix has done. But um, I do think that with how much, again, with Microsoft putting all their eggs in this basket of Game Pass, I have to think that they have a, a game plan for how this is sustainable. Otherwise, if, if, if they didn't know how they were going to keep this going, they they wouldn't be going in this direction with such uh, enthusiasm. Every game that we saw in the Xbox showcase is on Game Pass. So that's really the uh, what they're banking on. And um, so we'll see we'll see where where we end up. But yeah, I I just can't see the in one or two years down the road that it's going to be what are Xbox sales numbers and what are PlayStation Five sales numbers. I think that conversation is going to be all but irrelevant in a couple years. Absolutely. I, I agree with you. And I, I think when you will compare them once again, I think PlayStation 5 will come out. And I also think that's a a, um, a lasting effect from this generation because Sony just crushed Microsoft in terms of, you know, with the whole Kinect and the entertainment system. And then Microsoft, you know, got Phil Spencer in the chair and he was able to get things back on track focusing more on games, I think that whole effect will carry over into the next generation because so many gamers got their first this generation console and it was a PlayStation 4. And so they've got that brand loyalty built out. So um, it'll be interesting to see where we are in a couple of years. Yeah, it really will be. And, you know, as long as Microsoft stays committed and even if they do get trounced out of the gate, if they stay committed to the Xbox platform, um, I think that's the biggest if for me. Because, you know, I think back in the day, you look at like a company like Sega, who was for a long time, you know, uh, right behind Nintendo. Uh, so if you take like when the Super Nintendo and the Sega Genesis were out, they were they were pretty much 
you know the the equivalent of Microsoft and uh, and Sony during the PS3 and PlayStation and Xbox 360 generation. But then Sega brought out the um, they brought out some add-ons that didn't really do anything. But then they brought out the Saturn, which ironically it was PlayStation that crushed the Saturn. And then they brought out the Dreamcast. Sega did, and that system didn't succeed nearly as well as it needed to. And now Sega, they don't make consoles anymore. So, right. you know, go, being a, a gamer that remembers that, that's my big concern is that Microsoft gets their butt kicked one too many times and then they've had it. I think that's the worst case scenario. But if they stay committed to the Xbox platform, um, I think that they'll they'll be just fine in the long haul. And I think that to the points we were making earlier about the Halo delay, that shows to me that they are... that they. They're making the right calls. They're making the right decisions. They want Halo to be the best possible game it can be. It's going to be a game as a service to a, to an extent. I know that term kind of uh, is like nails on a chalkboard to some people, but it's going to be a it's going to be a platform. Let's call it that. Right. If it's going to be that for them, and if that's going to be the flagship, they know they got to get it right. And the fact that they were able, they were willing to delay it, to me says that they're putting the quality of their games first. And that is what it's going to take for them to to succeed against PlayStation, who's been doing that for the last five, six, seven years. Right. I absolutely agree with pretty much everything you said. That's where we're that's where we're at with the next gen. It's going to be interesting to see. So, Jackson, are you planning on getting both? I am definitely planning on getting both, both, but it's just because of the nature of what I do um, for yep. a living. Uh, I want to be able to play all of the exclusives, but. If I had to guess right now, I'm probably still going to be playing the majority of my games on PC. For sure. Yep. And uh, I don't play on PC. I play most of my games on PlayStation currently. I do have an Xbox. And I want to be clear. I hope both consoles succeed to wild success. I, I hope they both see wild success. And uh, I'd be very disappointed if if they both don't. And I'll be getting both right out of the, the gate. Um, I was very enthusiastic to give the Xbox kind of the 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 lion's share of my gaming time because I want to kind of see what it's like on the other side of the fence having been a PlayStation gamer. But I got to be honest, you know, the Halo thing, it, it, it kind of does uh, make me think. I'm like, I'll probably be playing most of my games on PlayStation. So for me personally, that did make a difference. Absolutely. I think it makes a big difference because we also saw big games that just don't have release dates like fable being reintroduced and revealed that was huge and then avowed obsidian's new rpg we're not going to see that thing i feel like for years so it does kind of present an issue now that halo's delayed what are we going to play when we pick up this box on november 6th you know yeah yeah that question is i don't think it has a good answer honestly i don't think microsoft has has an answer for it um other than game pass that said (laughs) it does make me i I am curious how do you feel about Xbox's first party lineup as it stands right now and what we have to look forward to down the road? Well, as someone who reads gaming news every single day and uh, is super into this stuff, it's hard for me to even tell you what their launch lineup is. I mean, is it the medium scorn and Tetris effect? Because on their press release here, it says that in November, you're going to get to play new games developed for Xbox Series X launching with Game Pass, including these, plus optimized games, plus planned new games. But where are those big console exclusives? Microsoft has just completely lost sight of that part of their business strategy, and they've been crushed by Sony. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that 
Moving forward, though, into like 2021 and even 2022, do you think that they're positioning themselves well enough to compete against Sony on that front? In terms of exclusives, I definitely do not. I think they are banking on Game Pass. I think if you have any concern about Microsoft and their strategy, their answer is Game Pass. Interesting. Yeah, because, you know, I think that they've, I, th- I think it's like 15, 14 or 15 studios that they've bought. And we, we clearly haven't seen everything from those studios. But I'm still hopeful that in uh, maybe maybe a year, maybe two years, when these games start seeing the light of day, that the exclusive game uh, between Sony or between PlayStation and, and Xbox is that they're a bit more equivalent in that sense. But uh, right. maybe I have maybe I have high hopes there. I should have I should have um, give, given a little caveat on what I said. I do think they're still going after exclusives because you said they did expand their um, first party studio lineup quite a bit. But even from what I've seen and what's been teased, I'm not super excited about those exclusives. And so maybe I just need Microsoft to show me again why I should be. Yeah, um, I'm there with you. The more they show, I, I do agree that I get less excited. And there's one reason that this is interesting. I, I'll be interested to hear your take on this. So Game Pass is what, that's their cash cow. And rightly so. I mean, I think that's a great angle for them and I hope it succeeds. But it does make me wonder if they're going to try to make some of these big flagship first party titles, more and more of them, if they're going to make them more platforms, similar to Halo or games as a service uh, because, you know, like uh, Sea of Thieves, you know, because that gives people a reason to not cancel their Game Pass subscription. If you get hooked on one of these games that is a service or that is a platform, you want to continue playing and you are less likely, like I said, to cancel your subscription. So I worry. Um, you also have a, um, what's their uh, zombie uh, game? I State what of called. Decay. State of Decay. You know, that's probably going to be some sort of, sort of a game of service. I think these have been debunked, but there was a rumor that Fable was going to be a MMO. And I was like, no, no, just make it a single player game, you know. And I think that Playground has come in, has come in and confirmed that it is, um, at least I hope. But I'm curious what you think about that. Sure. I think that's a really good point. And I think you can even look outside of uh, this little console war that we're talking about and look at MMOs and just how much sheer cash they rake in on a monthly basis. If you want to play WoW, you got to pay 15 bucks a month. And I don't know what the current cost of Game Pass is, actually. Is it 10 or 15 It's 10 for Game Pass, uh, and then it's 15 for Game Pass Ultimate. And I think it's a separate rate if you want to get Game Pass for PC, and I don't know what that price point is. Right. Uh, it might even be less uh, because the library, I think, is smaller. But those are the two price points on console. Right. And I, I think that that's, you know... I think it's you're getting a lot of value for that $10, but still $10, that is making a lot of money. Like you said, this is a huge cash cow. And so I do think it will inform uh, the development, what kind of games that these first party studios are making. Um, I think there is, I don't know what the name of the Fable game was that got canned or canceled, but that definitely looked like a games as a service, live service title. I'm like you, I don't want a lot of live service um, games just floating around because to be honest, I don't play one game longer than a couple months at a time, if that. So for me personally, as a gamer, I don't want to see a lot of first party uh, live service games from these studios. But from what you said, that makes a lot of sense that they would go in that direction like Sea of Thieves. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that is a concern for me. And um 
before we move on, I'll just say I, I definitely don't want what I don't want to see is them creating games as a service because it's an opportunity for them to make money. If they have a game idea, if they have a concept for a game and it absolutely makes sense as a game as a, as a kind of a persistent online world, go for it, you know, do it. But I, I just don't like seeing companies making these games because they feel like it's a money-making opportunity. And I think we've seen a number of failures along those lines, Anthem being among them and hopefully not Avengers. But, you know, that's looking <laughs> that's looking iffy at best at this point. Yeah, it's definitely something to be worried about. And you'd think that you'd look at the the sheer development cost of these kinds of titles, how much money these publishers and developers are pouring into making a live service title and look at how they turn out. And you would think that that is enough of a warning, but it seems like we're still moving in that direction. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, me too. It's going to be an exciting couple of months. I mean, these announcements are going to have to start coming out soon. I feel like September, October, November are just going to be a whirlwind of gaming news and release announcements, and it's going to be exciting. Right. I, I actually don't think that E3 is over because no. the, the running joke was that, you know, E3 would be like two or three months long this year because of COVID. E3 is going to continue through the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Basically until these consoles launch and then they're going to have to continue to support the the systems. I mean, I think it's going to be an exciting, yeah, uh, maybe even six to eight months uh, moving forward. So lots to look forward to. Um, anything else to add to this uh, discussion? Um, the one thing I would say is just talking about Sony's launch lineup. Once they get that nailed down, I think that'll give us more of a perspective of how these things are going to uh, launch. You know, what the first week's sales are going to be like of these consoles, what the first month will look like, and maybe even the first year. If we know what's going to launch alongside these boxes, that'll give us an even better idea. Yeah, and I I feel like Microsoft has to be just kind of hoping and praying that Sony has played all of their cards in terms of what they're releasing alongside the PS5. Uh, you know, I I've read some rumors or I've read people claim that there are rumors. So this is really like <laughs> third or fourth hand. But That's a yeah, it's a secondhand rumor right there. Yeah, that that Sony held held back during their first PlayStation 5 showcase and that they have additional games to show. I don't think they do. Me personally, I have no basis for saying that other than um, I just can't see them having anything more. They've been working on a ton of stuff. But um, yeah, my, if Microsoft has to be just hoping and praying at this point that they don't. Sure. No, I. the reason I don't think they have anything else to show is because I was so freaking impressed by what they did show. I, I don't need yeah. much more. I'm convinced personally. Me, me too. And, and, you know, some people are saying, oh, Spider-Man is not like a system seller. Um, oh, my I actually gosh. disagree. I mean, Spider-Man, no, nothing is as popular as, as Spider-Man. I mean, that's as, that's as big of an IP as you can possibly get. And even if that game is half the length of Spider-Man for PS4, that is going to, um, when people see that on the shelf, they're going to be like, oh, I got to play that. And a lot of people probably aren't even going to know off the off the bat that it's kind of a more, a more contained experience uh, than, than the original Spider-Man. Sure. And the fact that, you know, a remastered version of what came out in 2018 right. is, is coming with it. That's going to sell a PlayStation five, in my opinion, like, like a, a version that is brought up to the specs of next gen is something I absolutely expect from 
one of my favorite developers in Insomniac. So uh, yeah, the Sony launch lineup, I have no worries about, but I just, I want to know what's coming exactly on the day that the box is releasing. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating to see. And another thing that I will bring up, I think that's relevant to this discussion is price point of the consoles themselves. You know, we've all been kind of waiting as these two companies play chicken with one another. I actually think that the delay of Halo gives Sony a little more leeway to set the price to whatever they want. Um, I do think that these, well, I shouldn't say whatever they want. I mean, they can't make it too high, but let's say that they were debating whether to price it at 400 or 500. I think with Halo not being on the shelf for Xbox Series X, PlayStation potentially might be saying to themselves, well, if we price this thing at 500 and Xbox prices theirs at 400, we're still going to sell out of these things. I'm right there with you. I think this... I think Microsoft essentially opened the door for Sony and said, here you go, price this exactly how you want to um, within reason. And yeah, I think you don't want to go over 500. Now, what do you think the price breakout between the digital only version and the disc drive version will be? My hope is that it's $100. My gut tells me that it's just going to be a $50 price difference, which I think would be really disappointing. But I mean, I don't know how much an optical drive costs. It can't be that much. And they're they're identical units otherwise. So I, I think it's going to be a $50 price difference. Right. So I expect the digital version to be 450 the disk drive 500 and then we'll see the Xbox try to undercut it. But like you said, I don't think it's going to make a big difference now that Halo's kind of shelved for a bit. Yep. So... That actually would be my prediction that we see Xbox Series X come out at a lower price point, whether it's 400 or 450, I don't know. But that's, I mean, that's their, like their last hope for having any sort of um, jab against Sony that's going to have any sort of effect, you know? Right. And that's where we talk, or they're going to lean on what we were talking about before, which is Game Pass. Like, look at the value you're getting from this, you know, from us. So, um, and we'll see if that value is actually worth it with all of those enhancements in those games. I feel like in the past when we've seen remasters, sometimes they don't really work and they're not exactly what people expect. So they are really leaning on this tech and this in this offering. So we'll see how it works. Yeah, and I think this is a good opportunity for us to ask for our first bit of uh, you know uh, reader mail, I guess we'll call it, to our listeners. First of all, if you've hung with us this whole episode, can't thank you enough. Uh, we love having you. Uh, this has been a lot of fun, and we want to hear from you. If you are planning on getting um, an Xbox Series X, a PlayStation 5, or if you're planning on getting both, uh, we'd love to hear. Uh, particularly, I'd love to know, and Jackson, anything you'd like to know as well, but if you are planning on getting an Xbox Series X over the PlayStation, why is that? And I don't mean that in a in a bad way at all. I'm just really curious, is it because you know, you're... Your friends are on the platform. That's the ecosystem you're you're kind of embedded in. Um, what is it about the Series X that really uh, has you sold? Um, and you know, I'm going to be getting both. I'm I'm agnostic, but that's that's something I'd be curious to know. Right, and I'd like to know how many of you um, again answer at the email we'll give you uh, soon here. How many of you are doing it because of Game Pass and because of those enhancements? Like, is it a selling point to say that I can play? Uh, this last generation game that's been improved to a next generation level. I'm very curious to know what you guys think. Right. So the email that you can reach us at is preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. That's exactly like it sounds, all one word, 
preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. So send us your your uh, your thoughts on the next gen and, and uh, how things are shaking out for you. And again, like we said at the top of the show, if you have any overall feedback, we're not done yet, but uh, if you have any overall feedback, um, send us send us your thoughts and and feedback to preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. So with that, um, we just may have exhausted that that topic. <laughs> it's a lot to talk about. It is a lot to talk about. Yeah, we're we're running. Uh, um, I don't know if we're running long because I don't know how long the show is going to be typically, but uh, we've been going at it for a while here. the uh, The next topic is uh, uh, just what we're playing. So, JV, I definitely feel like I have been doing the lion's share of talking on this episode. Uh, I might need to rein myself in down the road. But what have you been playing? Well, you've been a wonderful host, so I want to say great <laughs> job so far. Uh, but to answer you. your question. I have been playing... Well, the thing that is freshest in my mind is Fall Guys. I picked it up yesterday, and I spent about four hours playing it last night, and I can't think of a more instantly fun, very simple, but just so engaging, like, multiplayer, almost Battle Royale-like experience that I've just instantly been like, this is so fun. So I've been playing Fall Guys, uh, trying my best to get the crown, haven't gotten it yet, um, but I've been really enjoying that. Outside of that, I've been playing some uh, Warzone. I'm constantly playing uh, Battle Royale Warzone with my friends, and I'm not the best at it. Um, I don't love playing a ton of Warzone because I've just kind of evolved as what in terms of what I like as a gamer, um, but I've been sinking some time into that. And then, of course, Avengers. I put a big video on my channel about what I thought. i uh, gotten a lot of feedback. People, Marvel fans in particular, are not happy <laughs> that, uh, that I didn't think their game was that great. I still had a lot of fun with very small parts of it, so I'm going to spend more time playing it this weekend. But that's about what is on my plate for right now. Yeah, I, I watched your Avengers video this morning. I was hard at work on my video recently, so I wasn't able to watch it uh, until this morning. Fantastic job, by the way, summing up your thoughts. Thank uh, you. I, I, I watched the whole thing all the way through, and um, yeah, I, I played the Avengers beta, but I didn't get past the single-player content, so I'm still loving it. <laughs> uh, I haven't gotten to the parts that uh, didn't impress you, so I'll be curious to see how it goes for me. And uh, um, yeah, Fall Guys, man, I played it as well. I don't... It lost me pretty quickly, I have to okay. say. I, I it was it's very simple and I don't think many people would disagree with that, but just I never felt the urge to that that let's do another round, let's do another round. I know that feeling well from other games. I never got it from Fall Guys. I'm really disappointed too, because it seems like such a fun game. I think it has that like group party atmosphere to it that really adds another layer that I particularly latched on to like I've got some friends that watch a lot of streamers and a lot of streamers are playing fall guys so they want to play fall guys and so when you're all playing fall guys you're having a couple beers it's yeah. really fun to just kind of mess around and laugh at what you're seeing because it's so ridiculous yep yeah I I may jump back in I do want to get a crown just one oh you got to can... get the crown <laughs> yeah yeah maybe I can pull that off but uh yeah so and Avengers I've been playing that and I'm still uh, uh to round this out I'm still working on uh Ghosts of Tsushima um, again, I've been hard at work on the last video I posted on my channel that pretty much cannibalized all my time. I'm going to get back into, to, to ghost and see if I can finish that game. Cause, uh, uh, man, what a, what a world that game is. Yeah. Ghost is my game of the year so far. I'm announcing wow. it right here. It's my game of the year. Um, I think it's incredible. It does so much for open world exploration. 
Um, and I love Sucker Punch. I love everything that they do. So really love that game. And I yeah, hope you enjoy the rest of it. Yeah, me too. I've I played I played Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and then I jumped right into Watch Dogs Two to prep for my last video. So I've I'm kind of open worlded out right now, but I don't want to uh, let this game go because everything I've seen and read and heard about it, um, it's something I, I've got to I've got to finish. So I think I'll be jumping into that this weekend. Actually, absolutely, I totally get what you mean in terms of open worlded out. I spent so much time on Assassin's Creed in the last couple of months, and I was feeling that way towards the end of. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima, but at the same time, um, it's that good that I didn't get tired of it. So, yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah, good to hear. So that that rounds out uh, episode one. Um, again, the the final segment we will end the show with typically will be um, our mailbag segment, but we don't have any reader mail uh, on our first episode. Hopefully, some of uh, our listeners shoot us a um, some feedback, some questions. That's another thing. Um, hit us up with questions, um, anything that you want us to talk about uh, or uh, that you want our perspective on, um, or you know, maybe Jackson and I, and that we're kind of embedded in these previews, maybe we have some insight into some of the games you're looking forward to. Feel free to ask us any questions. I don't know, Jackson, did you want to uh, cast a line here for anything on the reader mail? Sure. No, I think you nailed it in terms of what we want to see from you guys. Any kind of like reader or listener requests like if there's a game that you're not seeing a bunch of coverage for you want us to kind of look into it and talk about that topic for i don't know three to five minutes that's a great thing that you can send to us um or maybe a little bit less because we probably want to answer a couple of questions per episode uh, but this is a very open-ended sort of segment at the very end and we want it to be very community focused we want you guys that want to listen to every single episode, send us questions, comments, everything, so we can uh, respond directly in every week's show. Right. And one thing I need to get better at, and uh, uh, well, anyway, is uh, giving you guys the actual email address. It's preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. So preloaded podcast, just like it sounds, all one word, preloadedpodcast at gmail.com. And we'll be excited to, uh, yeah, get our first round of reader mail from you guys. And again, thank you so much for listening. Definitely tune in every week. This posts on Monday, uh, and it is on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And then you can catch the video uh, on-demand version on JV's YouTube channel. And uh, I guess the last thing I'll, I'll, I'll ask, JV, is there anything you want to promote on your channel or anything you're up to that you want to uh, give a plug to? Sure. Yeah. I just uploaded uh, my Avengers preview. Um, I'm a little harsh on it, a little more harsh than I am about most games just because I wanted it to be something else. But I'm really happy with the piece it spent. I spent like two days workshopping the script and just getting everything in my head out and then refining that even further over the following days and then recording for the video. So um, that is a video I'd love for you guys to go and check out. Um, it's here on my channel if you're listening on YouTube or over on JV. Just type in J-A-Y-V-E over on YouTube and you will find me. Awesome. Yeah, and I, I checked out that video. It was great. Um, I will also plug uh, my latest video. I published it this morning. Um, it is my preview of Watch Dogs Legion. Um, so I've got about 42, four, well, about 40 minutes of just me talking about pure gameplay details of uh, what you can expect from that game. It's actually one of my more anticipated games of the year. Uh, speaking of open world games, I think Watch Dogs Legion could actually shake things up. So if you want to see my um, 
not so much my thoughts, but just what the gameplay is going to be like uh, from what we know on Watch Dogs Legion. Uh, my channel is Quest Mode uh, on YouTube. It's youtube.com slash Quest Mode. You can also follow me on Twitter uh, or Instagram. I'm at Quest Mode Games. Did you have any social handles you want to throw out there, Jackson? Yeah. Yes, on every platform, I'm at JV, J-A-Y-V-E-E, on YT, like white on YouTube. So O-N-Y-T, that is me. Awesome. And uh, don't forget, if you listen to this show, uh, particularly if you liked it, uh, don't forget to subscribe and rate the show uh, on whatever platform you're listening, whether it's Apple, Google, or Spotify. Uh, give us a, a good rating if you enjoyed it. Um, and, uh, yeah, we will see everyone next week. Thank you again so much for tuning in. Uh, this has been preloaded episode one. We'll see you next Monday.